people are going to be hearing this literally from all over, I believe, all over the world through the Internet. And I, I, I want this to be something that is going to impact a lot of people. So just join with me tonight, if you would, and help me to preach this together, okay? All right, so I'm going to be dealing with the spirit of whoredoms. This is a little bit different word than probably... In fact, I would say this. You've probably never heard this sermon or a sermon like it, honestly. I've touched on this before, just briefly, but I've never preached it really strong. And in the last days, the Bible talks about... I'm going to give some scriptures, but there's a scripture that I didn't put in the notes. The Bible talks about in Revelation 17 and 18, it talks about the great whore of Babylon. And... That's obviously the Jezebel spirit, I know that, okay? But not only is it the Jezebel spirit, but also the Jezebel spirit works closely with this spirit of whoredoms. And as I go through this, I believe this is going to be extremely eye-opening. I believe that some people deal with this in a generational way. Other people have dealt with it from their past. But nonetheless, this is a very, very serious issue with God. It's a serious issue in many, many ways. So let me just dive into this and begin to, I believe, to mine into the Word of God. Just mine into it and pull out some things that probably you haven't seen. We know that the children of Israel, during the days that Hosea was writing this, that they, they had gone off into idolatry. Okay. Now Hosea 4.12, it says this, it says they consult a wooden idol. And are answered by a stick of wood. A spirit of whoredoms, it can also be translated prostitution, leads them astray. They are unfaithful to their God. Now that's the key word for the whole night is unfaithfulness and disloyalty. Those are the two words that I really want to focus on. Hosea 5.4, it says their deeds do not permit them to return to their God. A spirit of whoredoms is in their heart and they do not acknowledge the Lord. So a spirit of whoredoms can literally be in somebody's heart. Matthew chapter 24. I'm giving you some scriptures. I'm going to just dive into this. Okay, Matthew 24 says, Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. Verse 7 says, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over and persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Now look at this. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. I want you to look at the word betray. I'm going to come back to all these words that I'm pointing out to you. Betray is a significant word when you're dealing with the spirit of whoredoms. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Now I want you to notice that phrase, that people's love will grow cold. But then it says, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. In this gospel, the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations Then the end will come. But a sign of the times of the last days has to do with betrayal and people's love growing cold. Once you look at 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit clearly says that in the latter times some will abandon the faith. That's another key phrase for tonight. It has to do with whoredoms. They will abandon the faith. They're no longer faithful to Christ. And they will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. In 2 Thessalonians 2.1, let me just read this real quick. It says, concerning the coming of the Lord 
In us being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Do not let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion or the falling away occurs. And the man of lawlessness, which is the Antichrist, is revealed. Now let me just stop there. The last days is going to be marked by a great falling away. This is a rebellion. In the Greek, it's apostasia. And it means people that are apostate, they walked with the Lord, but now they turn their back on Him. Let me give you a few more scriptures, and then we're going to go into this word. 2 Timothy 3.1, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. You know, we could just stop right there. People, by and large... And this has a lot to do with what I'm preaching on tonight. I'll come back to some of these scriptures and some of these, these key words as I go throughout the, uh, throughout the sermon tonight. But, as, you know, people are lovers of themselves. By and large, most people are looking out for number one. Are you hearing me? Most people are just looking out for number one. And they're not caring too much about what God thinks about anything. And they certainly don't care too much about what other people feel or what they're going through. They're just concerned about themselves and their own selfish feelings. And it says in the last days there will be terrible times. And the very first thing it says is people will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, Some people hold grudges for years. They're slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous. That's another word I'm going to look at. Treachery has a lot to do with unfaithfulness. You know, a lot of people may not have really thought too much about that, but the word treason, when somebody is disloyal to their country, say they're in the military and they're disloyal, And they're marked as somebody that has committed treason. It's a very serious thing. And treachery, that's treason. Treachery is a very serious thing in God's eyes. Now somebody is disloyal where they used to be loyal. Also it says people will be rash, conceited, lover of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. So in the last days, this will mark the last days. Deception, abandoning the faith, cold love, betrayal, and treachery. Those are things that will mark the last days. Now I need to go through this real quick so you can set your teeth in this because I want you to understand the satanic structure. The reason why I'm preaching this way to you guys is because I believe with all my heart that God has a destiny on you and there's a reason that you're here and a reason you're a part of what's going on. And God has marked you. There's prophecies from credible sources multiple times over about what's coming. And any time there's something significant, it's not something that's going to spring up quick like a weed. If something is a significant plant of the Lord, it's going to take some time. And God has to lay a strong foundation with deep roots. Deep roots. And whenever you're going to start going after God, and you're going to start moving after the things of God, 
And you're going to start going after souls, and and you're going to start interceding. And the sounds of intercession, where you've got these sounds of groaning and travail that is coming up out of your meetings. And the glory of God is filling a house. There's a strong anointing that's there. I'm telling you, it gets hell's attention. Are you hearing me? They hear those sounds of revival, and it sends shivers all the way up their spine, and they hate it. They, they see and they feel the rush of angels ascending and descending. They see the glow of the fire of the glory, and they can't stand it. And I preach along these lines a lot because I want you to know that these are things that you're going to face if you're going after God and a move of God. If you shut it all down, you want to pull back and quit winning souls and quit pressing into God's presence and quit going after God, they'll leave you alone. But how many knows, welcome to revival when you're going to go after God and you're going to see a move of God and see souls saved and also experience the resistance of the enemy in the process. Some people get flung off from revival and God can't use them because they're cowards. And I'm not speaking to those here. But there are people that are. They're afraid of the devil. They're afraid of spiritual warfare. They shrink back and God can't use them. They're like the children of Israel that saw the giants in the land and said we're grasshoppers in their eyes and they were afraid. We all know the word of God that that those that grumble and complain don't inherit promised lands. God can't use them. But one of the things I'm going to deal with tonight is something that's so serious. We talk about pride and we talk about things like rebellion, all of that. But one of the most serious issues in God's eyes is faithfulness and loyalty. And I'm going to show you that through the scriptures. Now, if you have a strong spirit of Elijah, the spirit of Elijah can be described as the sevenfold manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And when the spirit of Elijah comes, it is an awesome thing. In my opinion, I believe the spirit of Elijah is very akin to the revival anointing. If you look at the life of Elijah, it's hard to not see that. And the spirit of Elijah is very prophetic. But where the spirit of Elijah is, I'm telling you, Satan will pull out and come against it with a Jezebel spirit. He'll pull that out of his arsenal and he'll zero in and try to shut that thing down. And the enemy that he's going to send is going to be the Jezebel spirit. Now, I'm I'm saying all this for a reason. Because I'm about to get to the spirit of whoredoms. Whenever the glory of God, the manifest presence of God... In the Hebrew, it's the word kabod, and the kabod of God means a weightiness. It's heavy. And you guys have experienced that. You know what I'm talking about. The glory of God is also the Shekinah, which is the brightness or the shining. Where that glory is, and that fire is burning, that glory fire is burning, Satan will send against that the Leviathan spirit, which has to do with pride. So the way the Jezebel spirit manifests, it tries to come in and undermine authority and manipulate and control. We know all that. But ultimately, I'm going to tell you this. It tries to make the victim look like a bad guy and the bad guy look like a victim every time. I've seen it over and over. It wants to manipulate things so much that it makes the person who's the actual Jezebel person, it makes them look like a little victim that everybody feels sorry for. 
and it turns the whole thing around and tries to make the authority figure look like the bad guy when they're not. And what that is is witchcraft manipulation. Leviathan, when it comes in, it's a spirit of pride. And people that have a pride issue are extremely sensitive people. They cannot take correction. They cannot be rebuked. They're very, very sensitive. They, they feel like everybody's always talking about them. I had somebody write me a real hateful letter one time saying people were talking about them. To this day, I don't even know what they're talking about. To this day. But they, they were so prideful, they felt like they were so important that surely everybody's talking about me. Pride is something that causes somebody that cannot be corrected. They're very, very sensitive. It is a powerful stronghold of the devil, and it is difficult to dismantle that stronghold. But when pride is there, it will cause somebody to not be teachable. They're always bucking. They they don't want to be taught. It causes somebody to want to teach the teacher. Try to pastor the pastor. You know what I'm saying? They try to teach the teacher. And where pride is, there's always contention. The Bible says that. And Leviathan comes in and will begin to find those that have a pride issue and begin to move through them and start stirring up strife. Because where there's pride, there's strife, contention. Okay, It'll begin to stir up strife. Then, when strife starts stirring up, all hell breaks loose. And that's when now there's strife, Leviathan's at work. Now, everything starts becoming confused. He said this, she said this, nobody knows what anybody said. It's all twisted and confused. Somebody says something and it goes through the atmosphere and it's manipulated by the devil so bad somebody hears something completely different. Everybody's confused. Nobody knows what's going on and that's Leviathan. And Leviathan is a powerful spirit and it will try to destroy covenant relationships. It operates through, it operates as the accuser of the brethren. Would you understand? When the enemy comes at you as the accuser, he's coming at you through Leviathan. The enemy tries to accuse you to yourself and make you feel like a piece of garbage. Who do you think you are? He'll try to accuse other people in your mind where you're sitting there and all of a sudden you get these thoughts in your mind against your brother and sister. Trying to get you upset with them. And it will accuse, it, the enemy will try to go and accuse God, or accuse you to God, obviously, like you see in the book of Job. But it also tries to accuse God to you, in your mind, making you think that God is unfaithful to his word. This is Leviathan. It takes a lot of humility to go down, down, down in humility. It takes a lot of humility to be able to get down to a place where you're under the radar from anything like Leviathan and it's unable to use you and it's unable to really be effective against you. The Antichrist spirit is the religious spirit. That's what it is. And the Antichrist spirit, the religious spirit, opposes revival. So you want to have the glory? We all want the glory, but be ready to face Leviathan. We all want the spirit of Elijah, the the revival anointing, but get ready for the Jezebel spirit. We all want revival and the freedom that comes in revival. But you've got to understand, once that happens, here comes the religious spirit to try to stop it. 
Revival has a lot to do with freedom. That's, that's what revival has a lot to do with, with freedom. Freedom in praise and worship. Free unstructured services. Free for the Holy Spirit to move. There's a freedom. Probably the, one of the greatest words I would use to describe revival is freedom. And doesn't the Bible say where the Spirit of the Lord is there's freedom? But freedom is what marks it. And see that religious spirit hates freedom and it wants to oppose that freedom and come in and start controlling everything and put everything in bondage and put everything in a place to where it's now dying. It's withering. These are great strong men. You need to be ready for this. You need to prepare yourself for these strong men. These are what we're going to face in these last days if you want a move of God. Now, underneath these strong men, you have other spirits that are at work. Like whoredoms, and I'm going to deal with that tonight. Belial, Python. Belial has to do with worthlessness, anarchy, lawlessness. The spirit of Python tries to pretend to be the Holy Spirit. It's a counterfeit. And it wraps around somebody and squeezes the life out of them. Another spirit is a spirit of heaviness. Where it's hard to pray and read the word and worship. There's like a heaviness over somebody. Another spirit is assassination. Or you could call it a spirit of murder. But I'm going to tell you, that's a powerful spirit. Because whenever you're going after God, Satan will do everything he can to try to raise up people that will slander and they'll come against you and they'll come against your ministry and it's a spirit of murder. They're trying to assassinate your ministry. Another spirit is mind control. And all of these are either specifically mentioned in the Bible or they're inferred. But let me tell you, mind control is a serious spirit. And it talks about it in the book of Revelation, I believe it's chapter 18, where it says that the whore of Babylon says it has the nations, it has people under its spell. What that is, is somebody's mind is being controlled. Their thoughts are being manipulated. Another spirit under this rulership is error. First John talks about a spirit of error. Error has to do with deception. Deception is serious. If somebody that's deceived, they really believe with all their heart that they're right and you're wrong. And that's a scary place to be. Because they really believe they're right. To them, black is now white, white is now black. And you're sitting there looking at them wanting to help them, but they believe with all their heart that you're wrong and they're right. And the whole time they're deceived. Deception can be thick and it's dangerous. And the Bible says in the last days, deception would be very, very prominent. Another spirit that works with these is lust. And another one is greed. Let me expose real quick the spirit of whoredoms and expose its fruit. I'm going to tell you, this is for everybody. This is going to help you so much tonight. This isn't really something that I, I, I like to preach because it's not fun. It's, it's fun to come in and talk about revival. Okay, that's fun. It's fun to preach on the glory. It's fun to preach on those type of things. But when, when God puts a sermon like this in a minister's heart, you just have to be faithful. Because it's like medicine. It doesn't taste good going down, but it's going to help you. But I'm telling you, this tonight is going to be very convicting in a good way. And how we respond to it will determine our future. I'm telling you, all of us. 
Because the Bible says when you hear the word like this, see, God deals with people either the easy way or the hard way. He loves us all. The easy way is that God will bring the word to you and the Holy Spirit will deal with you. And when you humble yourself and you really respond properly, that's the easy way. The hard way is when God brings the word and people ignore it and they don't deal with it. And then he has to discipline those he loves. Hebrews 12, he disciplines those that he loves. And the discipline is the hard way. So we're going to learn it eventually. But it will either be the easy way or the hard way. Amen? The spirit of whoredoms. Number one is unfaithfulness or disloyalty to God. And what you see in somebody's life that has a spirit of whoredoms, and it may be in a family bloodline, and it may be literally a generational curse. But what you see in your life, your past, or in your family, you see a tendency toward idolatry. Idolatry is anything that's more important than God. You see a lot of backsliding. Where there's a spirit of whoredoms, you see a lot of backsliding. People are with the Lord, then they're back in sin. They're with the Lord, they're back in sin. They're up and down, in and out. You also see habitual sin. Or you see abandoning the faith. People are unfaithful and disloyal. And I'm going to tell you, just over the years, I wanted to say this. been in the ministry now for a while. How many knows whenever Elijah was on the earth and, and the spirit of Jezebel was reigning supreme, so to speak, in Israel, that God said about Israel, there's millions of people here. But he said, I have reserved 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. Now, how many knows out of millions of people, 7,000 is like a drop in the bucket? God always has his remnant. But I've learned something about people over the years. I've learned that what people will do, God will deal with them and He'll try to take them deeper and deeper. And eventually, they seem to draw a line in the sand and say, Lord, this far and no farther. I've given up this, 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 and this, but I'm not going to give up this. What I've seen with most people is, there's very few that are really that radical. That they are willing to go all the way with the Lord and really sell out and surrender everything. I have seen very few. You look at the masses... All the people that attend church, very few people are really, truly sold out completely. The way that I'm talking about tonight, you'll see it as I go through this sermon. Very few people are really sold out completely with all their heart. I wonder, and I'm dealing with the spirit of whoredoms, I wonder, as persecution increases, how many people that we would have never thought but will fall away from the faith, abandon the faith, because of the severity of persecution. And let me give you a little nugget of wisdom right now. See, people can say, oh Lord, I love you, and you know that I'm faithful to you. I'm faithful to you to the end, you know it. But I'm going to tell you right now that that is not wisdom at all, because the Bible says, though your heart is deceitfully wicked, who knows it? God knows it, but you really don't know yourself as much as you think you do. See, a lot of people will say that to the Lord, but the Lord knows if they really are faithful and loyal deep down in their heart or if they're not. Because I'm telling you something, until you're strapped to a chair and you're tortured for Christ, until you have a gun to your head and it's cocked, you really don't know. And see, a wise person has the humility and the wisdom to say, Lord, you alone know if I'm really faithful or not in my heart. 
But if I'm not, forgive me, but put it in me. That's wisdom. A prideful person is presumptuous and they'll say, Oh Lord, you know I'm faithful. I'm loyal to you to the death. Where have we heard that before? Exactly. Peter said the same thing and denied the faith. And I'm going I'm to talk about him a little later. See, I wonder in all of us, deep down, how loyal and faithful really truly are we to the Lord? Because we can say one thing, but God knows our hearts. And there's going to be a day coming when things are going to get more difficult in the world. And it's going to become a lot more difficult to be a Christian. And what you're going to find is, is a lot of people that are not truly sold out are going to abandon the faith. And what concerns me is, is right now at a time... When the word of the Lord about things, about the end times, about being ready for the rapture, the purity of the gospel, messages of repentance, these things need to be preached like never before. But you're not hearing it. Another thing about a spirit of whoredoms, and I'm going to deal with this a lot, is unfaithfulness to God's people. There are people... I'm going to help some people tonight. You may see some things about yourself. How many knows when you look in the Word of God, it's a mirror? And sometimes you don't like what you see about yourself. And that's good because then you can repent because God's showing you. But I'm also going to help you tonight that, you know, not everybody needs to be in your life. Amen? But unfaithful people are given to betrayal, gossip, slander, and sowing division. That's a sign that they are unfaithful and disloyal people. Now what I'm talking about when I'm dealing with unfaithfulness to people, I want you to hear this. Someone that you were once loyal to, now maybe you're slandering them, bringing reproach to their name, dishonoring them, attacking their character, undermining their integrity, bearing false witness against them, and revealing their secrets. This is done all because that person did not do what you wanted them to do the way you wanted them to do it. Let me read that one more time. Somebody that has a spirit of whoredoms about them, they're disloyal and unfaithful to people. And they tend to be given to betrayal, gossip, slander, and so in division. And what you can see in their life is that someone they were once loyal to, now they slander them. That means running them down behind their back. They're bringing reproach to their name, dishonoring them, attacking their character, undermining their integrity, bearing false witness against them, and revealing their secrets. Because when they were friends, that person confided in them. And now they're revealing their secrets. They're, they're breaking confidence. But I want everybody to hear this above all else. And I'm going to prove all this with Scripture. And I'm going to cover some things you've probably never heard preached on tonight. I believe that. But I want you to hear what I'm saying. God makes covenants with individual people. He does not make covenants, and I'm saying this with the right spirit, but He does not make covenants with denominations or people groups. He doesn't. He makes, he makes covenants with individual people. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to show you this through the Scriptures. People 
that God is going to use in a great way to affect their region, to affect their city, to affect nations, to really do something significant for the kingdom. They will be people that are faithful and loyal people. That will be the one quality, without a doubt, across the board, that will be in every single one of them. But I'm going to tell you, there's somebody that is unfaithful and disloyal. God will pass them over. Even though they were called to do it, He will pass them over. And He will find somebody less gifted, less anointed, but somebody that's loyal and faithful in their heart and it's real. And He'll put it on them and use them. What I'm preaching to you about tonight, friend, is serious. There's going to be people that literally are going to be disqualified from their destiny and purpose because of this issue tonight. They're disloyal. They're unfaithful and God can't depend on them. So He has to use somebody else. And the way, I'm going to tell you something else. The way that God judges that many times is He sees how we are to other people. Because somebody can say to me, Oh, I love the Lord. I'm so faithful to the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, if I see disloyalty and unfaithfulness in them toward others, how can you say... That you're disloyal to your brother and sister in Christ and you're unfaithful to somebody that you can see with your eye. And then you say that you will be loyal and faithful to somebody you've never even seen. Think about it. Jesus said, as you've done to the least of these, you've done it unto me. The way God many times will judge that is he'll see how people are toward each other, how they're going to be toward their friends, how they're going to be toward their family, how they're going to be toward their their brothers and sisters in Christ and those over authority, over them in authority, and he'll see how loyal and faithful they are in their heart. And this isn't something that anybody can fake. What I'm dealing with tonight is not something that anybody can pretend or fake because it's something that God sees. But those that God will use for greatness will be loyal and faithful through and through to the Lord and to people. Number one, let's move through this. Dealing with the first thing I want to deal with is church splits and allowing the pruning, the life of Absalom. King David had some problems break out in his family. He had a son by the name of Amnon who fell in love with his sister. It was his half-sister. And he raped her. And then he hated her more than he ever loved her. And King David was grieved in his heart that it happened. But Absalom was the brother of the girl that was raped. And Absalom hated his brother Amnon for what he did. And he was frustrated with the way King David dealt with it. Now let me tell you something. You're dealing with, in this story, you're dealing with a perfect, classic example of people that operate and function with church splits that are divisive people. This is a perfect story. Because Absalom did not agree with the way the king, the authority figure, was handling a situation. Now let me read to you real quick the story. Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. So people were coming to see King David, but on their way, Absalom would put himself there to greet them. And it happened that when any man had a suit to come to the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, From what city are you? 
And he would say, your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom would say to him, see, your claims are good and right, but no man listens to you on the part of the king. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that one one would appoint me judge over the land. Then every man who has a suit or a cause could come to me, and I would give him justice. So he was undermining the king, undermining his own father, but undermining the authority by saying, nobody in there is going to listen to you. But if I was in that position, I would listen to you. And it happened that when a man came near to prostrate himself before him, he would put out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. And in this manner, Absalom dealt with all of Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole away the hearts of the men of Israel. This is a classic example of people that undermine authority and they try to turn people's hearts against their pastor and their leader and try to get them to look to them. This is a spirit of whoredoms in a major way. This is unfaithfulness and disloyalty in his treason. His treachery in the kingdom. And the Bible says in Proverbs 6.16, we all know this, there are six things the Lord hates, yes, seven which are an abomination to him. It's interesting, he starts here. Haughty eyes, then he says a lying tongue, Then he says, hands that shed innocent blood. Then he said, a heart that devises wicked plans. Then he says, feet that run into evil. A false witness who utters lies. And the one who spreads discord among the brethren. I would hate to be in the shoes of the one that dies and has to stand before the Lord that had lived the life of spreading discord among the brethren. But I'm going to tell you right now that this is a spirit of whoredoms. It is betrayal. It is disloyal. And when God sees that in people, He knows that unless they're really, truly going to repent, and repent means change, unless they're going to repent, He can never use them for His purposes. Now, the devil can use them, but God cannot use somebody that's like that. Amen? And you know, it's interesting that God was the one that first dealt with this because in heaven, God was perfect. But Lucifer led the first church split, if you will. And God set back and allowed it to happen. God set back and allowed Lucifer to go through there and try to turn people's hearts like an Absalom, try to turn people's hearts against God and unto himself. And God sat back and allowed it to happen. And one third of the angels were shown that they had disloyalty in their heart to God. And they followed Satan. And God allowed that rebellion because it weeded out of heaven those that were not truly loyal to him. And if you're ever going through a situation, some of you are called into the ministry where you're dealing with a church split. It's extremely painful. But sit back and let all those that are disloyal be weeded out anyway. Because if you try to hang on to them... God sees they're already disloyal and unfaithful in their heart anyway, and it's just going to be a matter of time till you have a problem with them down the road. Let them go. Forgive and move forward. Here's another point about the spirit of whoredoms. There are people that have learned their talents and abilities in the house of God. They've learned how to sing. They've learned how to play instruments. 
And now they're whoring those talents. They're prostituting those abilities out in the world, singing for the devil, singing for themselves. And they themselves were given that gift by God and they learned it in the house of God. And now they're prostituting it in the world. That's a spirit of whoredoms. How many knows one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is faithfulness? And when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, you're not dealing with a bunch of different fruit. Like, you know, an example would be like an apple or a banana or an orange or something like that. No. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, it's like an orange with many slices. It's one fruit, but it has many slices. When the Holy Spirit comes into you, all of this is going to become a part of your life. Amen? And one of the things the Lord will begin to do in you is He will deal with the issue of faithfulness within you. That is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Somebody that is faithful and loyal, that's the work of the Spirit of God within them. And what you've got to understand is this, and I want you to please hear this. This loyalty and faithfulness is something that is a gift from God. It's rooted in love. It's not something that you can just conjure up one day. Like you wake up tomorrow and say, I am determined. I am going to now be a faithful and loyal person in my life. That's just what's going to happen. You can't just up and do that one day. What you've got to do is humble yourself. And if you see that you haven't been, ask the Lord, Lord, I need you to put that in me. But I'm telling you, it's rooted in love. And it's a difficult thing, and some of you I'm speaking to, you're called into ministry. I want you to hear me. It's a difficult and it's a painful thing. Because as, as a man or woman of God, you, God gives you discernment. And you can tell, because the Lord will show you. See, Jesus had the masses, but there were 70 he discipled. There were 12 that he really spent time with. But even out of the 12, there were three that he really confided in. Jesus knew. And when you're in the ministry and you pastor or whatever, you can tell in your spirit, you know that certain people are really loyal and faithful. And you can tell sometimes, and I'm speaking to young ministers, you can tell sometimes that people aren't. And it's hard because you pour out your life and you, you unconditionally love people and you pour everything out. You pray for them. You fast for them. You, you spend so much time in the Word and you get up here and you give it everything. And you lay hands on them week after week, pray for them, you love them. And then you know deep down in your heart that truthfully, they're not faithful and really loyal to you. You know that at a drop of a hat, they'd be gone if they could. They'd abandon you in a heartbeat. What do you do? You keep loving them and keep pouring out. And you be faithful to God, even though they're not to you. 2 Samuel twenty two twenty six. It says, To the faithful you show yourself faithful. To the blameless you show yourself blameless. To the pure you show yourself pure. But to the devious you show yourself shrewd. And I looked up those words and what that means is this. God's going to show himself faithful to those that are faithful. But those that are not faithful will find themselves wrestling with God. I want you to think about that. Let me say it again. God will be faithful to those that are faithful, but those that are not faithful people, they find themselves wrestling with God. Now, what does it mean to wrestle with God? What it means, uh, your prayers are hindered. It takes a long time for your prayers to be answered. You're wrestling with God. Whoredoms causes, the spirit of whoredoms causes people to backslide and to have idols in their life. 
It causes marital vows to be broken. It causes covenant relationships to be destroyed. People can't be faithful to another person. It tears up family relationships and causes adultery. James 4.4 says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anybody that chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. But it's interesting that James said it's an adulterous people. This has to do with unfaithfulness. I'll come back to this later, but I'm just going to say this now. I've been shocked, and Sandy has too. We're able to go around and, and, and minister, minister in different scenarios among different people groups. And, and I've been really shocked around some Christian circles to see the level of worldliness. Are you hearing me? The level of worldliness where I, I sit and there's Christian people supposed to be talking and, and you'll hear them use profanity. And you just kind of, okay. And what they're drinking and what they're watching and what they listen to, the things they talk about, the way some of them dress. And I'm sitting there going, man, what has happened? I'll tell you what's happened. A spirit of whoredoms has crept in and has caused people to be an adulterous people. They're friends with the world and you can't tell any difference between them and the world. John fourteen fifteen, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. Now I'm going to tell you, whenever you make vows, you better be quick to fulfill your vows. I encourage you to not make vows to God unless you just absolutely feel like you have to. But if you ever make God a promise, you better fulfill it. It's serious. God takes vows and oaths very serious. Ecclesiastes 5.4 says, When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. And one of the areas that all of us make vows that get married is our marriage vows. Let me explain this real fast. In marriage, let's say somebody has a sinful past. They, They were not a Christian. And when they were not a Christian... You know, they slept around, maybe they were married before, and there was a divorce, whatever, and, and they have a past full of sin. When you become a Christian, the Bible says you become a new creature. Old things pass away, everything becomes new. God puts it all under the blood and gives you a clean slate. But when you're a Christian, God holds you much more accountable, and the only way that God will pardon or dismiss these marital vows, number one, is for adultery. And number two, if a non-believer departs and divorces you, and that's 1 Corinthians 7, 1-16. through 16. But let me tell you, God takes these vows very seriously. When you get up and you say, you know, for better or worse, and things get worse, and you want to start pulling back, you made a vow that you would be there in the worst. In sickness or in health, and all of a sudden somebody gets sick, and you start pulling back, you vowed to God. You vowed to God. And all those people there, and to that person, that if they got sick, you'd be there for them. And these vows are serious in God's eyes. And some people, they're pull, they're, they call themselves Christians, and they're pulling out of marriages and things. Let me tell you, that's, that's dangerous ground. Proverbs 5, 1 talks about a loose woman or an adulterous woman. It says, My son, give attention to my wisdom and incline your ear to my understanding. This deals with the spirit of whoredoms right here. That you may observe discretion, your lips may reserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey. Smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end, 
She is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword, and her feet go down to death, and her steps lay hold of Sheol. In other words, she goes to hell and drags others with her. That's dealing with an adulterous woman. But this, literally, the scripture I'm about to read you out of Titus, it goes, it just slaps the spirit of whoredoms right in the face. Because you're dealing with, in Proverbs, you're talking about an adulterous spirit, a whoredom spirit. But in Titus, listen to the description of a virtuous woman. It says, The older women likewise, that they may be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet. To be discreet means to be self-controlled. And to be chaste. Chaste means that you're going to dress modestly and be pure. It says that they may be homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, that the Word of God may not be blasphemed. See, that right there just goes right in the face and slaps the spirit of whoredoms right in the face. Another thing is the spirit of whoredoms will cause people to be, get offended with God and start feeling like God is not faithful. Some people, they start going through difficult times in life. They go through trials. And next thing you know, they're all whining and complaining. I'm trying to be nice about this, friend, but we've all been there and probably all of us have done it at some time. So when I say this, hear it in love. But some of us, some people, every time they go through a trial, they want to be a crybaby about it and go have a pity party. But let me tell you that God is setting people up for promotion. When you're going through trials, what you've got to understand, sometimes God is testing you. He's testing your faithfulness level and your loyalty level. And He is setting you up for promotion. And some people, God knows that He can't promote them because every time life gets tough, they got to go out and get drunk. Every time life gets tough, they're out of church. Every time things get a little bit hard in life, they're going to get mad at God. And they're going to go off and sulk about it and have a pity party. And they don't want to pray anymore. They're, they're all mad at God. And God knows that the, He'll never be able to take them and use them for greatness until they get over that. We've got to learn to be faithful and not abandon our post. Listen, I've made up my mind. People can come and go do whatever. I've made up my mind that where God has put me, I am not going to abandon my post. I'm going to be faithful. I don't care. Come hell, come high water. Come a Jezebel spirit. Come people full of the devil. I'm dead serious when I say this because I've already been through it and I have a right to say it. Come hell or high water, whatever it is, I'm not abandoning my post. I don't care what the devil does. I'm staying put where God's put me. And I'm going to fulfill what I'm called to do. But some people, every time it gets tough, they want to bail out on God and go run off. Oh, things are hard. Now I'm going to bail out and go run off. Well, fine. You know what? God will take your mantle off you, and He'll put it on somebody else and use them to do what you were called to do. Because He can't use people like that. Well, amen. amen. Matthew twenty-five twenty-three. Jesus said, His Master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Listen, when you're faithful with the little things, God makes you ruler over many. And what I, what I want to see in all of us is this. Whatever God gives you, that you do it with all your heart and you're faithful with the little. 
You know what? Somebody that's a prideful person, they look at something where the Bible says don't despise the days of small beginnings. And God will just give them one talent. He'll, he'll start them out like that. And if there's somebody that despises those small beginnings and they can't stand it, and they're not going to be faithful, and they walk away from it, God says, okay, I can't use that person. But it's somebody that God can give small beginnings. He can give them something small, something little, and they're faithful, wise stewards with it. And the Lord looks at that and says, wow, that person is faithful with the little. I can use them. I can make them a ruler over much. Are you hearing me? Well, we've got to be faithful, wise stewards with everything God's entrusted to us. Being faithful with our calling and fulfilling our destiny. Be a person of your word. It's a bad sign, and this deals with the spirit of whoredoms, and it deals with character issues. But it's a bad sign whenever people have integrity issues where they say, I will be there, and they never show. Are you hearing me? They say, I will do this, and they don't do it. They, they borrow something, they say, I'll give it back, and they don't. It's a bad sign. It's a lack of integrity and character. I've known some people over the years that literally, if we were supposed to meet at 6.30, I would have to tell them, not lying, I would just tell them, you'd be there at 6. Knowing that they'd get there at 6.30. And they did. It's a bad sign. God's looking for integrity and character where you are a person of your word. Are you hearing me? And so I'm trying to help people get promoted about some things. Because God sees how we treat one another. And it really hurts people whenever you tell somebody, I will be there. And then you just don't show and don't even call. It hurts them. And why would God entrust somebody with greatness that has that type of character in their life? If you want to be somebody of promotion, then you're somebody that says to God, God, I will be there. And God says, you will. I know you will. And you say to a person, you say, I will be there for you. And they say, man, I know that person and they will. They'll be there. That has to do, somebody that is disloyal and unfaithful, they have a hard time keeping their word and being a person of their word and having integrity. Other people dealing with the spirit of whoredoms, prostituting the anointing, trying to steal away Jesus' bride, God has given them an anointing. He's put gifts in them. God's hand is on them. And now they use the anointing and they use the gifts that's in their life to try to exploit other people. Are you hearing me? Philippians 2.21 The Apostle Paul, and I'm sure that when he wrote this, he had a heavy heart. But he said, everyone looks out for his own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? And then he goes on to say, except Timothy, who's been a faithful son. See, Timothy was a faithful, loyal son to Paul. And whenever Paul said, you know what? And this is in the Bible. Paul said, you know what? Everyone looks out for their own interests. Not that of Jesus. Except Timothy. And he was talking about Timothy because Timothy was loyal and faithful to Paul. And you'll see as I keep going in this sermon that people that are loyal and faithful to others are also loyal and faithful to God. But see, ministers, some ministers have prostituted the anointing. 
They've used the very things God has given them and now they use it to manipulate other people for money. They use it to to build their own kingdom. And I'm going to tell you something. Some people, and y'all need to hear this, some people you need to disconnect from. They literally will step on whoever they have to step on. They'll climb over whoever they got to climb over to get whatever it is they're after. Their fame, their reputation, their paycheck, whatever it is they're after, they will step on anybody to get that. And that includes you. And some people are all about building their own little kingdom. They're about manipulating things to get their way and what they want. And they literally, literally are exploiting the kingdom of God and the body of Christ for their own selfish lust. They manipulate to get money out of people, to get people's time, to get people's service, to serve their own desires and their own kingdom. They seek their own, not that of Jesus Christ. Another thing about a spirit of whoredoms is some people, they are more faithful to their own church politics and their own pet doctrines and their own traditions than they are to Jesus. Did you hear that? Because I've seen people just like that. They, they will die for their little pet doctrine and their traditions. And it's not any, any longer about Jesus. It's about what they want. It's a spirit of whoredoms. They're not faithful to the Lord. They're just in it for what they want. What about preachers that now refuse to preach the truth? Listen, some of you guys out there, and I'm, I don't believe I'm speaking to anybody that's here present, but some of those people out there, they want that little sissy preacher that'll tell them what they want to hear. One minister said this, and I agree with him. He said, okay, but you better be careful because you may be burning in hell one day with that little sissy preacher that told you what you wanted to hear. I would rather have somebody that's going to tell me the truth and preach the gospel. But some preachers refuse to preach the truth anymore. They're more interested in just catering to people what they want to hear. Why? Because they're all they're interested in is their little paycheck. They're interested in their retirement. They're interested in not rocking the boat. They just want it the way they want it. And they don't want to offend anybody. I'm talking about a spirit of whoredoms. You guys need to hear this. It concerns me, it grieves me hearing some people that want to put everybody into heaven and they don't want to offend anybody. I remember being at um, my grandfather's funeral. He had some military funeral. We went down, it was in San Antonio. And there was a woman there that preached the funeral. And, um, you know, I knew the life he lived and all that. But I'm going to tell you, she just had this way about her that just everybody was in heaven. And you guys that were there know. She's just putting everybody in heaven and just, you know. Listen, that is not a faithful preacher of the gospel. And I just went to my uncle's funeral out in East Texas. You know, Memorial Day. No, Yeah, we were there. And whenever that preacher got up, I was so pleased to see the way he handled that situation. Because he said he preached the gospel. And, and I loved it because he said, you know, the guy didn't go to church, but he made this statement. He said, we don't know his heart. People can say he believed, he didn't believe, whatever. Only God knows his heart, and I hope he's right with God. And if he was right with God, we know where he is. But he didn't just put him in heaven. See, it grieves me when people are doing that. They talk like everybody's going to heaven. Listen, Jesus said there's a narrow way that few find. But there's a broad way that leads to destruction, and many find. And if we're going to be faithful to preach what Jesus preached, we have to preach it the way he preached it. 
And this preacher was gracious, but he used the opportunity, and I was so proud of him, I was sitting back and I was praying for him. He used the opportunity to preach to all these people and say, every one of us is going to be here one day. And we need to be thinking about eternity and thinking about heaven or hell. And he gave the Bible, he gave scripture, and the way he handled it was gracious, and it was loving, and it was respectful, but it didn't compromise the Word of God. And I'm concerned about counterfeit Christianity. You're talking about a spirit of whoredoms. It is all over things like Chrislam. Listen, I, I can see there's places right now, and I say this with love and respect because they're deceased. They're deceived, rather. They they have they're trying to mix witchcraft and Christianity into this some kind of a hybrid thing. They're trying to, to mix where there can be like a, a homosexual church. And listen, we love homosexual people. I want them to be saved and come to Jesus. I love them. But they're making churches where, you know, and not only that, but there's mainline denominations that are willing to ordain practicing homosexuals. And there's this counterfeit hybrid Christianity that's trying to emerge in these last days. And there's a spirit of whoredoms all over it. It has totally prostituted the Word of God. It is totally unfaithful to the Word of God. It's totally disloyal to the Word of God. It is a compromising move. Another thing about a spirit of whoredoms, about it being, being offended with people. Some people carry grudges for years. Easily offended. Matthew 24.10 says, In the last days, many will be offended and shall betray one another and hate, each, hate one another. With all my heart, I believe the Lord is wanting us to be people that are gracious and forgiving and loving. I've seen people over the years being in ministry that they've got all their idiosyncrasies, they've got all their issues, and they want everybody to be patient with them, and sometimes it's not easy. But the first time you're a little bit out of the way because you had a bad day, they hold a grudge, they can't do the same thing, They're, they have a problem with you, they're irritated with you, that is, that is disloyalty and unfaithfulness. You want other people to be faithful to you, but you're unwilling to be so to them. I've seen people over the years, too, that every time somebody does the slightest little thing, they're turning their back on them. They, they, I don't want anything to do with them. That's disloyal and unfaithful. Some of the pity parties. You know, so I've seen some people, too, that they'll be 80 years old and talk about being saved for 50 years or whatever. And some of the biggest spiritual crybabies you ever seen. Your pastor, they sat in my pew. They got my parking spot. The pastor didn't shake my hand. And I'm being serious. They're the biggest crybabies. And the thing that God is wanting us to, to grow up and mature, and it has to do with this faithfulness and loyalty. People that come out of the military understand this mentality. They really do. Because they're faithful and they're loyal to their country. They're faithful and they're loyal to their leadership. And they're faithful and they're loyal to their comrades in battle. And they would be willing to go literally lay down their life to pull somebody out of enemy fire. Why can't you see that in the body of Christ? Somebody sitting around crying because they got offended with somebody about nothing. Let me give you some things about unfaithfulness. Just listen to me, okay? 
You can see in the workplace sometimes an unfaithful, disloyal employee. Those that are in management, you need to mark them. If you in management leadership in a company can ever find somebody, they may be untrained, they may be somebody that's unqualified, but if you can find in them that they are a loyal, faithful person, I promise you, you're better off with them than you are ten qualified people that are disloyal. You'll find unfaithful, disloyal co-workers that in a heartbeat would go behind your back and stab you in the back to management. You don't need those people in your life. And let me give you some good wisdom in the workplace. If you see somebody like that, that talks about others to management, they're always backstabbing people. My advice to you, my counsel to you is this. You witness to them and you love them and you be friendly. But if I were you, I wouldn't get close to them. And I wouldn't tell them anything you don't want repeated to everybody. Unfaithful, disloyal friends. You see people. In your life, and many of you know what I'm talking about, that every time you went through a trial, you went through a difficult time, you looked up and some of those so-called friends of yours were nowhere to be found. When you go through trials, you find out who really is loyal and faithful, don't you? And let me tell you this, you can receive them back and love them, but you need to put your confidence in those that have proven to be loyal and faithful to you. And I'm going to tell you, there's, there's very few people over the years, this, this sermon means something to me, but there's very few people over the years that, that I would say has really been loyal. And I know you probably feel the same way. And when you find somebody that's really a friend that will stick with you through thick and thin, that whenever you're being betrayed, you're being lied about, you're being slandered, they really do have your back. And they've proven to be loyal. I'm going to tell you, that's a good friend. But those, I had, I had somebody in my life one time that I went through the first major betrayal in my life. It was one of the darkest times of my life. And that person stopped returning my phone calls. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even have anything to do. And it became an estranged relationship. We were estranged from one another for about, I would say, probably about a decade. And then I, I, you know, got back in touch with the individual. Went through another, one of the greatest betrayals in my life. And this guy, once again, totally mishandled himself. And now, I love him and I forgive him in the Lord. But I'm just not interested in being close to people like that. You know what I'm saying? God has people in your life that are true, loyal, faithful people for you to be close to. But people like that, that are fair-weather friends... You're better off without them. Love them in the Lord. Love them. You know, and, and be friends to a degree. But I'm not getting close to... And, and giving personal information. I'm going to tell you this. You better be real careful about who you confide in. There's people out there that you'll confide in them something personal and they'll stab you in the back. They'll go around telling it to everybody. Or one day when they get upset with you, they'll go tell it to people... You know, Jesus, I'll get to this later, I'm going to touch on it more, but you know, Jesus, out of all the people that were in his life, when it came down to his darkest time, when he was hanging on the cross, did you know that there was one disciple and there were two women that were there? And that's usually the way it is. When you go through the darkest times, you find out that there's only a handful of people, you can count them on one hand, that's really loyal and faithful. 
You know why a lot of pastors, you ought to look into this. You know why a lot of pastors out there try to, to work in, if they can, they try to work in family and staff? That's very common. You know why? Because they know that they'll be loyal. And they know, because of experience, that a lot of times when you hire somebody, they're just a hireling. And when, when all hell breaks loose, they'll, they'll stab you in the back in a heartbeat and leave. People that are not good in your life, that are not good for you, are disloyal friends that are unfaithful. My counsel to you is to pray in loyal friends and pray about it. But you don't need disloyal people around you that are real close friends. Because eventually it will cause a lot of pain. Watch out for somebody. Some of you that you know are interested in being married one day and, and you, you maybe you feel like you heard from God and you start dating someone. You need to watch out for somebody that tries to turn you against your friends or your family. I remember I've heard stories. I know a pastor in this area. We're not real close, but I know him. We're an acquaintance. And I know that he had a daughter that uh, she married somebody. And this guy literally turned her against him and his wife. Turned her against him. And it's, it's an estranged relationship now. And I know that it broke his heart. That is a spirit of whoredoms. And I have a really dear friend that lives south of here that her daughter married somebody and that person turned her, turned her daughter against her and her family. And I know it broke their heart because now they have grandkids that, that they don't ever get to see and spend time with. See, a spirit of whoredoms, it's disloyalty, it's treachery, it's unfaithfulness, and it literally will sow discord and it'll destroy family relationships. It'll try to take somebody that, like a son or a daughter and turn them against their mom and dad. It'll try to turn them against their friends that they had for years. It's a spirit of whoredoms. I remember growing up, you know, you, you go through experiences, and I remember having roommates and two, two different roommates. One of them, we had signed a six-month lease together. And he was a, I thought he was a good friend, and he bailed on me after a couple months. You know, and he was a Christian guy. And I had to go, and I barely made it, but God saw me through. But it's disloyal, unfaithful people you can't depend on. And he bailed on me for something stupid. And I remember another, I had another friend that was a roommate, and he was going behind my back and stealing my money that I was trying to pay rent. And he almost got both of us evicted. And I had another, and, and there was another guy. That one time I let him borrow my vehicle, and he, you know, almost got it totaled, had a wreck, and then acted like, well, you know, like it's no big thing. Listen, you learn over the years that there's not a lot of people that are really, truly loyal friends. Seriously. People that betray your confidence. Let me give you some more things. What about people that take advantage of your kindness and use you? You guys ever felt that way? They take advantage of your kindness and they use you. They use you to get what they want. And then once they're done, they're, you know. Those that forsake you in trials. And I, and I say this with love, but I, I'm going to talk a little bit about parents. I want to get this out there. Sometimes I scratch my head and just can't believe what I see in parents. You wonder why kids are messed up? 
don't wonder anymore. A lot of them's parents are the problem. And I sit back and I think about, you know, when I was in school, man, if I went to school and I, and I disrupted class, say that I shot a spitball and hit my teacher in the eye or something, you know, and I disrupted class and I was being stupid, and the teacher wrote a note home, I'm going to tell you, when I got home, it wasn't like, you know what a lot of parents are doing now, and this, this grieves me, they'll sit there and they'll, a teacher or somebody will get on their kid for being rebellious, and their kid's in the wrong. And then they'll go to the school and they'll cuss out the teacher. And you know what they're teaching their kid? They're teaching their kid to despise authority and to be a rebellious little brat. And you wonder why kids grow up rebellious. Man, if I was to do that when I was growing up and got home, I got in trouble at school. And then I got in trouble at home. Yeah? Amen. And I don't understand. Listen, there was a man, uh, I believe his last name was Will Height. I can't remember the details about that. But I know this. During the Brownsville Revival, he was, he was one of the principals at a local school. And he got on fire for God, powerfully touched in the revival. And the kids would come to him as the principal with different problems in their life. And he took advantage of that situation to be able to share the gospel with them. And he, would, he stayed within the confines of, you know, they're asking questions and he's answering their questions. Well, he would do his best to take all of them to the revival. So all these kids he's taken to revival, revival starts breaking out in his school. There's kids falling out on the floor in school. God powerfully touched them. They're getting saved right and left. And he said this statement. I watched an interview with him. He said it would shock you that there are parents out there right now that they really, truly would, and they said they would, rather their kids be experimenting with sexual sins and experimenting with drugs, experimenting with alcohol, experimenting with the partying life and all of that because they felt that that was a more healthy adolescence and that this guy is trying to turn them into some kind of religious fanatic. And he said it would shock you how many parents out there are like that. I never understand the parents that want to ground their kids from coming to church. I, my parents never grounded. Are you kidding me? That's like trying to ground them from praying. Hey, you stop praying now. You're grounded. Or try to ground them from reading the Bible. Hey, stop reading your Bible. Now you're in trouble. Listen, that's going to be the very things that's going to help them be more like Jesus and keep them out of trouble. I'm just telling it like it is tonight. And I'm going to tell you something else. You know, people get out there and they get in their, the, the school system or they get on a secular workplace and, and they keep backsliding and stuff. Let me tell you something. There's got to be idols in somebody's heart that keeps doing that. They have an idol in their heart that they want to be accepted. They want to be popular. They want to be liked. Whatever it is, they want to fit in. That idol that's in them is why they keep backsliding. It's a spirit of whoredoms. You've got to sell out to Jesus with all your heart. Listen, get that out. Get that idol out of you. Quit caring about being accepted so much. Quit caring about fitting in. Who cares? The Bible clearly says if you're a Christian that you're not going to fit in the world. That it's going to be like a square peg in a round hole. You're not going to fit in. And not only that, most of them are not going to even like you. So you've got to make up your mind that you're going with the Lord with all your heart. Now I'm going to tell you, if there's somebody that has parents that's listening to this and, and... 
say that their parents were really opposed to their Christian walk and really trying to get them to, to turn away from Christ or trying to introduce them to other religions or whatever. My counsel to you is you love your parents and you honor them and you speak right to them. You be respectful to them and you speak with honor to them and with dignity and treat them right, okay? But you keep going after Jesus with all your heart and don't ever look back. Those that hear the truth of God's Word, listen, there's some people that hear the truth of God's Word and they have to hear it over and over. And I'm talking about a spirit of whoredoms. They've got to keep hearing it over and over for years before they will eventually decide that they might change. Friend, that's a spirit of whoredoms. Look, listen, God wants us to be the type of people that whenever He speaks to us, we're like, yes, Lord, thank you. That's the end of the matter. There are people with a spirit of whoredoms that are quick to compromise their convictions. God has convicted them about something they've been watching, listening to, whatever. He's convicted them, but yet they're always quick to compromise their convictions. That's a spirit of whoredoms. And you're seeing right now a move with the spirit of whoredoms. Please hear this. There's compromising that's going on in churches. There's churches out there that have had psychics behind their pulpits. They've, they're using things like the Twilight series with the youth. What are they thinking? They're using things like Harry Potter with the kids. And my thought is, or have they lost their minds? You would think to yourself, the Bible, see the problem is, is people don't know the Word of God. But did you know that a youth pastor would probably never even consider showing pornography to the youth to try to get them to come? Yet, God's Word is just as strong in rebuking witchcraft as it is sexual sin. If we get back to the Bible, we can't deny that. Some churches have started to mingle in new age in the occult. And others have begun to blend in other religions and blend in worldliness. They're trying to be like the world. It's a spirit of whoredoms. What a spirit of whoredoms will do, what it will produce in somebody's life, and I want you to hear me on this, it will try to cause somebody that they feel a sense of guilt and shame in their life. They lack confidence, they lack boldness, and they have a spiritual low self-esteem. And the reason for that is because they keep going back to the same stuff that they know they're not supposed to be doing. They keep going back to the same sin. They're going back to a relationship God's already dealt with them about. Or they keep having this idol that they won't deal with. Or whatever it is, it's like they keep going back into these things. It's a spirit of whoredoms. It's unfaithfulness. Unfaithful. And because of that, the result in that person's life is they're loaded down with guilt and shame. They lack godly confidence. They lack boldness. And they have a low self-esteem spiritually. Let me show you God's remedy in Zechariah 3. It says that um, Zechariah was shown Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord has chosen Jerusalem. The Lord rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua the high priest was clothed with filthy garments standing before the angel of the Lord. And the Lord spoke... And said to those who were standing before him, Remove his filthy garments from him. Again he said to him, See, I've taken away your iniquity away from you, and will clothe you with festive robes. Then I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. 
So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. While the angel of the Lord was standing by, the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will perform my service, then I will, you will also govern my house. See, this is a perfect example I'm talking about. Joshua obviously represented people that had been unfaithful. And because of their unfaithfulness and their disloyalty to God, they were, they were covered in dirty garments. It was like he was intimidated. He was supposed to be the high priest, but it was like he, he lost that confidence and boldness. And I could just see him with his head hung down because he was covered in shame and he was dirty. But the Lord went to him, and he pulled off those old dirty garments, and he put clean garments on him. He pulled that iniquity out of him, and he said, Now I'll tell you what, Joshua, if you will be faithful to me, then you'll govern my house. So in other words, once God liberates you from a spirit of whoredoms, you better be faithful. Once he breaks that off you and pulls that out of your life, you better be faithful. Because the Bible talks about the latter end of some people is worse than the beginning. Because it's like a dog that returns to its vomit. Are you hearing me? Some people, God will set them free and they'll go right back into it. And a lot of times they're a lot worse off after that than if they had never been set free to begin with. But the Lord wants to break that. He wants to set people free from the guilt and the shame. And from the lack of confidence, the lack of boldness, we're going to be, have to be faithful to the Lord to the end. What did Jesus say in Matthew 24? He that endures till the end will be saved. I want to park on the life of Peter for a moment because I want to encourage people. I've been preaching it straight, okay? I've been telling it like it is. And because of that, hopefully... It's given us all a chance to look at things we need to look at about ourselves. But let me encourage you about the life of Peter. You know, I've heard it said about Peter, well, you know, he was afraid. Now, I'm going to show you something about the life of Peter. And I believe this will really minister to you. The problem with Peter was that in the group, in the twelve disciples, one of them was named a zealot. You know, there was different belief systems. There, there was belief systems in Jerusalem of the Pharisees. There were belief systems of the Sadducees. And there was the Zealots. And there was different belief systems. Peter was of the belief system that Jesus, being the son of David, that Jesus was going to be like a military leader. Now follow me because this is important. Peter really believed that. He believed that Jesus was going to be a modern-day King David that would draw out his sword and would begin to lead a, lead a revolt against Rome and he would have an army that would begin to surround him. Because Peter knew the word. I mean, if you grew up in that time as a Jew. And he, he knew the stories about David and his mighty men. And he believed he was one of Jesus' mighty men, like David's mighty men. And that Jesus was going to lead an army. And supernaturally, God was going to give them victory like Gideon. And they were going to defeat Rome. That's what Peter believed. See, what the problem was, was that Peter didn't see... In the scriptures, he didn't see Jesus' first coming where he was the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world and had to go and lay down his life. Peter didn't understand that. What he saw in scripture, 
he saw Jesus' second coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah who will slay the armies. Are you seeing what I'm saying? And so it's interesting to look at the life of Peter because Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter was the one that said, you're the son of God. And Jesus said, blessed are you because that wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father showed you that. And then later, Jesus was talking about going to lay down his life. And Peter got upset with Jesus and was saying, no, Lord. And Jesus had to rebuke him and say, get behind me, Satan, in front of everybody. Jesus had to rebuke him. Because Peter was actually trying to prevent Jesus from going to the cross. Because that was not in his mentality about him. So you see all of this leading up to this point. Whenever Jesus was betrayed by Judas and they were coming, the military of that day came. You've got to understand, these, these were the trained warriors of that day. I mean, they had swords and they went through military training that they knew how to use them. These were tough, rugged men. And there was a lot of them. And right then, Jesus, they said, Who is Jesus of Nazareth? And Jesus said, I am he. Whenever he said, I am, they all fell backward on the ground. That's in the Bible. They scurried back up. And they said, Who's Jesus of Nazareth? And Jesus said, I said, I'm he. And Peter drew his sword because he's thinking to himself, Here's the moment we've all been looking for right here. And he draws his sword and he strikes the ear of Malchus, cuts it off, and he's ready to take on the military of that day. This isn't a fearful person. This is a person that that didn't understand fully the scriptures. And Peter, whenever he saw Jesus, see, Jesus had told Peter, He said, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you, what, that your faith won't fail. This is important that you get this because I'm dealing with faithfulness tonight and loyalty. Jesus said to Peter, he said, I pray for you. I would love to hear Jesus say, I'm praying for you. Amen. But he said, I'm praying for you, Peter, that your faith won't fail. Because he knew. Peter was the one that said to Jesus, I will never betray you. I I will never be disloyal. I'll never be unfaithful. I'll die for you if it takes that. And Jesus said, before the, the rooster crows three times, you'll have denied me. Or the rooster crows, you'll have denied me three times, rather. And so, when Peter saw Jesus being carried off like that, he had chains on him. I'm sure the guards were striking him and mocking him and spitting on him and everything else. And they were dragging him off. And Peter saw that. At that moment, his faith began to sag big time. And he started questioning if he really was the Messiah, the son of David, this would not be happening. Because in his mind, that's not the Jesus that he understood him to be. And and Peter even tried to, you know, start the process of the revolution he thought Jesus was going to lead. And when Peter left out of there, it wasn't that he was afraid, because believe me, he just took on an army. He's not afraid. He said, all of a sudden now, the Jesus that he thought that he knew, that he thought he had figured out, now he was somewhat offended with him. He's 
not, Jesus isn't doing what I think He should be doing. He's not being right now who I think He should be. And He's getting offended with Jesus. He's upset with the situation. And so He goes out. John was the only disciple that didn't flee. And John followed Jesus and was there with Him. And I'll come back to that. But Peter was out in the courtyard... And this, this girl began to ask him, aren't you one of the disciples? Remember, and Peter said no, and he denied him three times. He even used a little bit of profanity to get the point across because he cussed because he was trying to show him, no, I'm not this holy man's disciple. And he renounced Jesus three times. He renounced his discipleship. But Jesus, what you got to understand, that prophetic word Jesus gave him, when Peter was at his, whenever Peter sat there and he was at a very low point in his faith, very low, that Jesus was not who he thought he was, that he's not handling this the way he, this was what he was thinking. He's at a low point. What have I been doing the last three years of my life? Following somebody. I thought he was the Messiah and he's sitting there going through all these thoughts. And you can only imagine the oppressive spiritual warfare that was going on that night. I mean, you can only imagine. And while Peter was sitting here dealing with that, the prophetic word of the Lord, Jesus said to him, when the rooster crows, you would have denied me three times. He just denied him three times. The rooster crows and Peter realizes that that prophetic word Jesus gave him is coming to pass right in front of his eyes and it restored his faith. Are you hearing me? It restored his faith. That's why Jesus, when he prayed, Father, don't let Peter's faith fail him, the Father gave Jesus that prophetic word to give to Peter because he knew down the road Peter was going to need that word for his faith to be restored. And Peter went out and he wept bitterly. So Peter had proven himself at this particular point in time to not be faithful and not to be loyal 100%. Now I'm saying this for a reason because I'm trying to encourage you. Some of you can look at your life and you can say there's times that maybe I haven't been faithful to the Lord and loyal to the Lord and maybe I haven't been faithful to people. When Jesus raised from the dead, what you got to understand, the person that was the, the most loyal to Jesus out of the, the, the disciples was John and he followed Jesus all the way to the cross. He was there. Because John was known as the disciple who loved the Lord. See, true loyalty and faithfulness is rooted in a love that comes from God. And John had that loyalty and that love and that faithfulness in him toward the Lord. And it took him, he followed Jesus all the way. Jesus' mother was there. She had that same love for Jesus. And Mary Magdalene was there. See, Mary Magdalene used to be a prostitute. Jesus cast seven demons out of her. And she was one of his most loyal, faithful followers. And she was there whenever he was, you know, having his back ripped open. And whenever he was hanging on the cross, she was there. In fact, the great honor was given to Mary Magdalene that she was the first person to see Jesus raised from the dead. There's something about loyalty and faithfulness that moves God. And Peter... He was at that very low point. And when Jesus had raised from the dead, the angel said, Go tell the disciples and Peter. You know why? Because Peter wasn't a disciple at that moment. He had renounced his discipleship. The same person that had said earlier, 
I'll die for you. I'll, I'll be loyal and faithful. I'll, I'll die for you if it takes that. See, that's what I'm trying to say about you and I. You don't need to presumptuously say, Oh, Lord, like Peter did, I'll, I'll just die. Instead, say, Lord, you know my heart. And maybe I'm not as faithful and loyal as I think I am. And if I'm not, forgive me, but put it in me. Put it in me. I want to be. And once Peter, Jesus had raised from the dead, Mary Magdalene went and told him, Jesus, you remember the story? He appeared out there to him, And they were fishing. And they all came back in. And Peter was disrobed. He was fishing. And they, Jesus gathered him in. And what did Jesus do? Peter had denied him three times. And Jesus asked Peter three times, Do you love me? And Peter said, Yes. He said, Do you love me? He said, Yes. Do you love me? Yes. And by Jesus making him pronounce that three times, he was reinstating him back in his discipleship. Now, let me tell you this. Because the story isn't over. Now, Peter had been at a low point. He's a lot like me and you. Maybe there's times that we haven't been as loyal and faithful to the Lord or to people the way we want to be, right? I think a lot of people feel that way when I preach like this. A lot of people hear this and say, man, maybe I haven't been what I need to be. But I'm going to tell you something. Once Peter had gone through that process, here's the rest of the story. Peter was the man whose shadow healed the sick. Peter was the man who stood up on the day of Pentecost when nobody else really stood up. He was the one that really stood up as a leader and spoke the word of God fearlessly and 3,000 people got saved. He was the person that first took the gospel to the Gentiles before anybody else ever did. And history records that Peter died a martyr's death upside down on a cross showing his loyalty to the Lord. So just because maybe you haven't been the most loyal and faithful person, let me encourage you that the Lord can put it in you like He did Peter. And sometimes the area in your life where you feel the most defeated is the area in your life where you're going to have a great testimony one day and will be the area in your life where you're the most anointed. People that have been through really dark times are also rising up with a great anointing to help others through those dark times. I'm going to start closing down. Whenever you go through things in life where you've been betrayed and you've been hurt, you need to forgive quickly. Listen, people are not always going to be loyal and faithful, but how many knows that Jesus will always be faithful? He's the best friend you have. Let me tell you, I don't care what you're going through. You may be going through stuff in life, but don't blame God for it. It's the devil. And Jesus is there with you. He's the best friend you got. And the last thing you want to do is start getting mad at Him. And I remember I was talking to some of the, the altar workers from the Great Brownsville Revival when we were there this year. And I met some of these precious um, older ladies that, that prayed for the masses during the revival. And we got to talking about different things. And somehow unforgiveness came up. And she was telling me, yes, it's so important. As soon as somebody hurts you, you forgive them right then. Don't hold it at all. Let it go right then. It's so important. Let me tell you, she would know. You know why? Because she had to have an awesome anointing flowing through her life. That whole revival, she knew she had to stay pure. As soon as something happens, forgive quickly. Bless those that curse you and pray for those that despitefully use you. A dear friend of mine has been betrayed. There was somebody that he knew, another minister, and he's been going around slandering him. And I've been trying to help him out. You know, writing a letter, 
making phone calls, trying to help him out. Because I'm, I'm loyal to him. And I'm willing to take a bullet. Amen? Willing to take a bullet for a friend. But I'm going to tell you something. People will let you down. People will betray you. But you've got to be quick to forgive and make sure that you're responding in Christ's likeness. Let me give you a few more things. Is this okay? Whenever you're going through difficult times in life, don't retaliate. Don't repay evil for evil. Make sure if somebody burns you, that you love them and you forgive them. Make sure that you handle yourself Christ-like. Because when it's all said and done, everybody's going to reap what they sow. Let me close with this. Those that God has made covenants with. I want everybody to give me your best ear as I close this out. Because this is probably some of the most important stuff in the whole sermon. People that are going to be used by God to change cities, regions, and nations that are going to be used to alter history are going to be people that are faithful and loyal. And it's going to be people that God can put a mantle on. Let me tell you something. God does not put mantles on just anybody. I'm not talking about the anointing. And I'm not talking about gifts. I'm talking about mantles. And let me tell you something else. God does not make covenant promises with just anybody. Covenant promises from God. Something that's between the individual and God. It's a covenant. God has made them promises. I'm going to do this, this, and this in your life. I'm going to give you some scriptures that will change your life if you'll hear me. Those people that are faithful and loyal have always been the ones that God uses in an awesome way. Abraham... God used Abraham's life to change the world. But God wanted to see Abraham take his knife and raise it above his head and be willing to come down on Isaac even though he didn't, but he wanted to see it because he wanted to see the loyalty and the faithfulness in Abraham to do that. And Abraham, because he was faithful and loyal, God could make a covenant with him. And I'm going to tell you, God makes covenants with individuals, and it's serious. It's significant. And God knew he could make a covenant with Abraham, and that Abraham could be used mightily by him. But let me give you the counterpart to this story. Lot was his nephew and went with him. And there was a time when both of their their um, cattle and their herds or whatever, had gotten so big that there was a dispute about the land. And Lot was blessed because he was with Abraham. And Abraham went to Lot and said, Lot, listen, I don't want us fighting. I don't want our families fighting. He said, let's go ahead and part ways. You can go pick whatever field is best for you. Now listen, Lot, number one, should have never left Abraham. Number one, that was the biggest mistake of his life. I'm going to show you that. See, When you're going through stuff, you don't need to disconnect from the man of God. You don't need to disconnect from somebody that has a covenant with God. You don't need to disconnect with the anointing and with the mantle. You need to stay with it because it's serious. And Lot, he disconnected with Abraham. And not only that, but you saw something in his heart that wasn't right because Abraham, who had given him everything, said, Lot... If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. Whatever you want to do. And Lot looked and he picked the better fields for himself. And I'll tell you, that was he should have honored Abraham and said, No, I'm not leaving. You figure out another way. If you want us to go to different fields, no. 
you pick the field you want me to go to. That should have been his heart. But no, he was willing to separate. He was willing to go to the better fields and leave the worst fields for Abraham. And Abraham, being the man of God he is, went along with this. Sure, sure. But let me tell you how the story unfolded. Because he disconnected with the man of God, Lot ended up in Sodom where it says that his soul was vexed every day. Sodom's soul was grieved and vexed every day while he was in Sodom. He ended up losing his wife who became a pillar of salt. He ended up losing his son-in-laws who were killed in Sodom. His two daughters that remained to him were so sexually perverted that they, they manipulated things with him. I'm not going to get into all that. But the, what produced out of that sexual perversion was Moab and Ammon. So Lot's descendants, Moab and Ammon, became enemies of Israel. When I say Lot lost everything, he lost everything. He lost his entire family and his descendants became Israel's enemies. And while all this is going on, Abraham is rocking baby Isaac as all the promises God ever made him was fulfilled. And if Lot had stayed with the man of God, he would have been there when the promises were fulfilled. But it has to do with faithfulness and loyalty. King David was faithful and loyal to God through the cave dwellings. But a lot of people don't know this about David. Number one, David, who was so strong against, don't touch God's anointed, don't come against God's anointed, I honor Saul, I don't care what he does to me, but yet he still cut the corner of his garment. I know his spirit was was convicted and he repented, but he did touch the anointed at one time. And another thing about David a lot of people don't know, there was a low point in his life where he began to march with the Philistine army. Now think about that. David, who had been called to be the king of Israel, and who had served under Saul in the military, now, at a low point in his life, was actually marching with the Philistines. God sovereignly saw him through that and helped him get back out of that and come to his senses. But nonetheless, David was still, even though he had his imperfections, even though he made those mistakes, he still was a faithful, loyal person. And let me tell you why. Because while he was out in the fields where a hireling, if a bear or a lion showed up, what would you do? Have you ever been to the zoo and you saw the lion up close? Okay, I'm not from Africa, so it's not like I see him all the time, but I've been to the zoo. And I'm going to tell you right now, if I was in an open field and one of them came up, I wouldn't be all, you know, I would be scared. And a hireling would have ran off. But David so loved his father. He was so loyal. He was loyal to his father. Therefore, he was loyal to the sheep because of his father. He was willing to fight the lion and the bear. And I promise you, not too many other people would be willing to do that. But there was something in David that was so loyal and faithful, God could trust him. Why did David end up replacing Saul? Because God saw inside of King Saul that he was a very unloyal or disloyal, unfaithful person. Because at the end of Saul's life, he went to a witch for information. Joseph was faithful through all he went through, thrown into the pit, betrayed by his family, was in prison for something he didn't do. And let me just say that, right there talking about Potiphar and his house, Joseph ended up at Potiphar's house, and you know that he, being 
somebody of royalty that he was, a leader in Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world at that time, you know that his wife was beautiful, and you know that he was a wealthy man. And Joseph was there, and Potiphar's wife was trying to seduce him to come have sex with her. I wonder how many people have enough faithfulness and loyalty in them that even when they don't think anybody's looking at anybody would find out, they really think that they could get away with it, that they still wouldn't do it. And Joseph, probably the thought crossed his mind, but he said, you know what, I cannot sin against God like that, and I cannot sin against Potiphar. And he took off out of there. He was faithful and loyal. And you would think, well, God would be smiling on that, and that would be the end of the matter. But no, God still put him in the prison for a little while. But I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes the length of what somebody's going through has to do with the height of where God's taken them. Because Joseph ended up still being at the right hand of Pharaoh, the second most powerful man in the world, but it was birthed through the trials he went through, that God knew that he was faithful and loyal, and he could trust him. You've got to understand, sometimes people look at these little pet sins they have and they think, oh, well, you know, you don't understand that God may be looking at that and, and having to, He loves you, but if you don't quit, He may have to pass you by and use somebody else. It's a lot more serious than what you think. Esau is the only man in the Bible that I know of that God said that He hated Esau, and it says it in the Bible twice. Why? Because Esau forsook his birthright for a bowl of soup. It meant nothing to him. Esau was an unfaithful, disloyal person to God and to his family. He married Canaanite women. He was, he was unfaithful. Gehazi, the story of Elijah and Elisha. Where Elisha, and I'm about to read this story. This is going to be what I wanted to end with, was with Elisha. Elisha was so faithful to Elijah through it all. And you would think that the mantle that passed from Elijah to Elisha would pass from Elisha to Gehazi. But Elisha's servant Gehazi ended up whoring after money. And he went chasing after Naaman for money after Elisha said, We don't want your money. We're not going to take your money. He still was unfaithful to God and unfaithful to Elisha and went whoring after that money. The leprosy that was on Naaman came on him. And you don't read about anything about him in the Bible from that moment on. And when Elisha died, Elisha's mantle soaked into his bones and went to the grave with him. And it should have went to Gehazi. You don't realize sometimes that these things that we allow that are compromising can cost you so much. Did you know the story of Elijah and Elisha? That Elijah, when he was threatened by Jezebel, and he went out into the wilderness... It says that he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life... And came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. Have you ever read that and thought about the fact that that servant, Elijah, left him there and that servant stayed? The servant should have went with the man of God and been loyal and faithful to him through this dark time. But he, he knew that this attack of the devil that was coming through Jezebel was going on. And he knew that, that Elijah was an awesome man of God and that he was going to the mountains where God met with Israel. And this servant probably thought to himself, man, this is too intense for me. I can't handle this. And he said, I'm not going any further. 
But he forsook the man of God. He stayed there. And the man of covenant, the man of promise, the man that had the mantle, went off. And you never read about this servant again. He's gone. Like Lot, he disconnected. But look in contrast to the life of Elisha. When the Lord was about to take Elijah to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way to Gilgal, which is dead religion, symbolically. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel, but Elisha said, now look at the difference. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Do you see the difference? Elisha said, no, I will not leave you. I'm going with you. You're the one with the calling. You're the one with the mantle. You're the one with the covenant with God. I'm sticking with you. Through thick and thin, whatever, I'm going with you. He was loyal and faithful. Gilgal's dead religion at Bethel represents revival. It represents the house of God. The company of the prophets came out from Bethel and said to Elisha, Don't you know the Lord is going to take your master from you? He said, Yes, I know, so be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. In Bethel, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. Jericho represents great spiritual warfare. See, here's what happens. When you move from Gilgal to Bethel and you're going to a place of great revival, sometimes you'll lose people. Because the intensity of the spiritual warfare that comes, the intensity of the glory... The weight of the pressure of the squeeze of all that's going on, they can't handle it. They can't handle the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. They can't handle the warfare. They can't handle everything going on. You lose people. And then from Bethel, they were going to Jericho. Jericho represents great spiritual warfare. If you don't lose them in revival, you might lose them in warfare. All of a sudden, extreme warfare comes. And Elisha said to Elijah, Surely as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and said, Don't you know the Lord's going to take your master today? And he said, Yes, I know. Be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here in Jericho. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As sure as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. Jordan is a place where you receive from God. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak off. This was his mantle. Rolled it up and struck the water. The water divided to the right and to the left. The two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you? Because I am taken from you. He had been faithful all the way to this place. And he said, let me inherit a double portion of the Spirit that's on you. And Elijah said, you've asked a difficult thing. Yet, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. In other words, he's saying, if you leave me now, you'll still miss it. You've got to stay with me to the end. As they were walking along together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, what would you have done if you saw that and you were there? He screamed. And then the chariots, he said, The chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And then he took hold of his garments, his old mantle, his old garments, and he ripped it off. And he picked up Elijah's mantle. And he went back and he stood at the river. And he took the cloak and he struck the waters and said, Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? 
And when he struck the waters, it divided to the right and the left, and he crossed over. And at that moment, he was faithful with Elijah to the end. At that moment, the spirit of Elijah came on him in a double portion. This is good preaching. I feel it so strong. We've got to be faithful to the end. And this is what I want to really close with is the story of Elijah and Elisha. Listen, you've got to be faithful and loyal to God 100%. But you've also got to be faithful and loyal to people. Are you hearing me? The Bible says, Because the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold in the last days. Many people's love will grow cold. But he that stands firm to the end will be saved. In Revelation, what do you read in chapter 2 and 3? Jesus kept talking about to him who overcomes, I will give this. To him who overcomes, I'll give this. To him who overcomes. We're called to be overcomers. If you've been somebody that's wrestled a spirit of whoredoms, maybe you've been somebody that's had a lot of idols and a lot of backsliding in your life and you've had a difficult time being faithful with God. You've been somebody that in the past has not really been faithful and loyal to people, somebody that's really dependable, and deep down in your heart you know it and you're convicted about it, then here's my words to you. Overcome it. And to him who overcomes, I promise you God's going to promote you. What this sermon tonight was about for us is we're coming to a fork in the road. And there's going to be people that respond one way and another. And I'm going to tell you about this type of sermon. This isn't some little thing. This isn't just another sermon. This is a word from heaven. There's a difference. This isn't just like telling good stories. This is the rhema word of the Lord now. And not only that, how you respond to it can determine your future. And I'll tell you what I believe the Lord is tired of. He's tired of people coming to church in an altar and saying, Yes, Lord, that's for me. And then they go out and in six months you hear them talking about the same garbage. The Lord's ready for people to really sell out 100%. The Bible says those that fall on the rock will be broken. But if they don't do that, it says the rock will fall on them and grind them to powder. And that's the message. I believe people that will really respond and fall upon the rock of Christ, they'll be broken and they'll be repentant and God will change them. But if they're unwilling to change, that rock will fall on them and grind them. And this is the last thing I want to talk about. You know why I understand faithfulness? I want everybody to hear me. Okay? Let the Holy Spirit just open your ears real good and hear this. You know why I understand about faithfulness and loyalty? Because I'm just going to honor my parents for a moment because that's the way I was raised. I know that some people weren't raised good, but I want you to hear me real good because maybe you weren't raised good and you maybe you didn't have the best family, but I want you to hear what I'm saying and this will help you. See, I don't remember a time growing up where, where we weren't going to church. Are you kidding? They took us every time the doors were open. We were faithful. They were faithful. And the reason why there's stability in my life, because I'll tell you this. I saw my parents through the years. I never once saw that I came home one night from a friend's house and one of my parents was sitting there wringing their hands wondering where the other one was because the other one was out carousing around somewhere. I never saw that. Because they were loyal and faithful to each other and loyal and faithful to their, their wedding vows. I never saw my parents compromise their convictions or compromise their faith. They went to church and they took us to church faithfully. Every time the doors were open, they were faithful. And the sermons they heard, they were faithful about them. 
If they, I never knew them to not faithfully tithe. That's why I'm a tither. Yes, Sandy. I never knew my parents to not faithfully tithe. They were faithful. I never knew them if they made a pledge that they they there was some missionary came to church and they made a pledge we were going to give such and such amount every month. They gave that amount every month. They were faithful to their vows they made to God. I never came home and saw one of them, you know, drinking or drunk or anything like that. I never heard them um, cuss each other out and throw things. I never saw those things. They were faithful. And you know what? And I say this to honor my mother, but, you know, she grew up in in a difficult home. She grew up in a very, very non-Christian home. I can't tell you how non-Christian it was. And it was common in her home where she grew up for them to cuss each other out and throw things. Literally throw things. But yet I never saw her do it. You know why? Because she was faithful to the Lord her God. And when she became a Christian, she was real. I didn't see hypocrites in my parents. I saw the real deal. And because of that, it produces stability. Some people, they're in and out, up and down. They're little church hoppers. You know, they can't be faithful to anybody. People that bounce around from church to church. The only reason we even switched churches when I was around in 8th grade was because we relocated and moved to another city and it was too far to drive. My parents were faithful. I'm going to tell you something else. I know for a fact my dad sat on boards under pastors and that whenever things got tough, I know he may not like me saying this, but I'm just telling you the truth. When things got tough, I'm telling you I know for a fact that he got in some people's faces and rebuked them for coming against the pastor. And he defended and he was loyal to his pastor. So it doesn't surprise me that there's stability in my life. And it doesn't surprise me that whenever God's pouring out his spirit here in such a powerful way that they're right in the middle of it. Because God looks for faithfulness and loyalty. And maybe... Maybe because dad was in the military, I don't know. But whenever people would try to buck up against the pastor, man, he didn't put up with it at all. He was on the board and he would, he would rebuke them. So how can you be faithful? You can be faithful like my parents were. You can be faithful to be the real deal. Look, maybe you grew up and your, your parents weren't the real deal. Okay, now you be the real deal to your kids. You be faithful. Listen, people use crutches. I understand, I believe in, and they're real. Generational curses, stuff that's real, and it's serious. But you can't live the rest of your life blaming stuff on the devil and blaming stuff on other people. Look, break the curses, and now let Jesus set you free, and you be different. You be faithful. Be faithful in your personal prayer and devotion. When I would wake up and I'd I'd come in, I could see where my mom and dad had spent time in the morning with the Lord when I was growing up. I could see the Bible open by the coffee pot. I knew they prayed. Be faithful to live a righteous life in secret. There was never anything, to my knowledge, never anything that I saw as a kid where I, I would see them one way and then in secret I found something. You know, it wasn't like that. They lived the life. I'm going to tell you that goes on. But it didn't go on. It didn't go on in my family is what I'm trying to say. Be faithful in your tithing. Be faithful in church attendance. And be a loyal friend. That's faithfulness. I believe God's about to release a new grace in these areas. You know the Bible says many are called but few are chosen. I don't want to just be called. I want to be chosen. 
Because you know, many people are called, but see, some people, they're playing games. They've lost their zeal. Where's their passion for God? Where's their praise and worship? Where's their witnessing? Where's, where's the zeal? Where, where's the fire? Where's the faithfulness? Many are called, but few are chosen. And listen what Jesus in the end. It says, These will make war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. This is Revelation 17. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they will. those that are with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. That's what I wanted to end with. There are people that were called, and out of all those that were called, there were some that were chosen. And out of all those that were chosen, there were some that remained faithful to the end. Are you see what I'm saying? God has a remnant. So I challenge you to live every day as though it's your last. And you're going to start hearing me talk about some of this. How would you live tomorrow? If you woke up tomorrow and you knew that it was your last day on planet Earth, what would you do different? I want you to think about that because you're going to start hearing this talk from me. I'm, I'm believing that God is transitioning seasons. And we're going to start moving into some awesome things that are coming. But what would you do tomorrow if it was your last day? You would witness, I promise you. You would live holy. You would, you would try to really spend some time with the Lord. It would be different, wouldn't it? How about let's start doing it day by day. Okay, Don't look at your whole life and think, oh wow, i got to, you know, don't do that. Look at tomorrow. How can I live tomorrow like it's my last day on earth? Live in a way that is eternal. Don't waste your time doing things tomorrow that don't amount to anything. Think about, is what I'm doing going to matter in eternity? Start changing the way you think. And start being a witness daily. See, this is the, the faithful thing. I try to witness and talk to people and hand out these pamphlets and all that. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes it gets frustrating because you talk to somebody, they're not interested. You leave a pamphlet and they brush you off and they don't want to hear it. And da, da, da. But you know what? That's when those that are faithful and those that aren't faithful, it starts being seen. You see what I'm saying? You've got to be faithful even though it's not always going to be easy. A faithful person will get up and pray even though they don't feel like it. A faithful person will get in the Word even though they don't feel like it. They'll, they'll still be at church. They'll still, they don't feel like it, but they're still tithing. They don't feel like it, but they're still faithful to the Lord. You know, when I was growing up, talk about loyalty and faithfulness, me and my brothers, it's probably the way we were raised. But they, they could tick me off. I've told this before. They could make me so mad. And, they, and I'd make them mad. I mean, you know how it is. If you had siblings, you know, don't act all spiritual. You fought sometimes. That's just the way it is. And they could make me mad in the morning. But if I was at school and somebody was messing with them, I was, it, it was like this. If you're fighting him, you're fighting me too. You know, there was just a loyalty. And that's the way we were raised. And there needs to be a loyalty once again in the body of Christ. And even if your brother or sister ticks you off, it's like, you know what though? I still love them and I'm loyal. Is everybody to stand with me? And I want everybody to give me your best ear right now. This word tonight, I feel like not only a sermon, 
But I believe that it was like a prophetic word of the Lord about where we're at. We're about to enter a new season. God's always had to weed out things in the past. And I hope and pray that there's not people within the sound of my voice that God's going to weed out and and have to replace you. you. I I hope that's not the case. But I don't know. But I do know this. God knows all of our hearts. And He knows those that are faithful and loyal. And if you feel like that there's areas in your life where you haven't been faithful to the Lord and you haven't been faithful to your calling, maybe you haven't been faithful because there's some, there's some things in your heart that aren't right with God, maybe you see that there's been a disloyalty toward people, I don't know. But I do know this. The issue of faithfulness and loyalty will cause God to skip over a hundred people and put a mantle and a destiny on somebody that's faithful and loyal. Whereas somebody that's unfaithful and disloyal, even though they had a high calling, it'll disqualify them from their calling. And God will use somebody else to do what they were called to do. I know this about disloyalty. It's a very, very serious issue with God. I'm going to lead you in a prayer because I want to break the spirit of whoredoms. But truthfully, I'm going to give people time to pray tonight and get things right with the Lord because this is a deep, deep issue and it's between you and God. So if you want to be free, you feel like maybe there's been a spirit of whoredoms, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, okay? I want everybody to pray this. Heavenly Father, whether it's been in my life or in my ancestors, whether it's my own personal sin, Or it's been a generational curse. I stand here confessing my sin and the sins of my ancestors. Forgive us, Lord, for all the unfaithfulness to you and to people. Any disloyalty. Any backstabbing. Gossiping, slandering, idols. Forgive us, Lord. If there's been any adultery, any area where there's been disloyalty, we repent. Wash us in your blood. Disloyal, unfaithful thoughts our eyes looking at things our ears listening our mouth speaking things in the heart things our hands have touched places our feet have taken us that have been unfaithful and disloyal we repent we're the temple of the Holy Spirit where it has been defiled because of unfaithfulness. Forgive us. Wash us. Let your Holy Spirit fill us. Totally change us. Put in us the love, the loyalty, the faithfulness 
that we need. And we take authority and break any curse, any work of Satan that has to do with whoredoms or any unfaithfulness. We command those spirits to go. And any others that's been at work, they came in through unfaithfulness to go now from us and our family right now in Jesus' name. Now let me pray for you. Father, anything within the sound of my voice, whether there's been the spirit of whoredoms or anything like that, bind it. Father, I break those works of Satan off their lives right now, off their hearts and minds. And I command all those dark forces to go in Jesus' name. And the enemy's not just going to just leave. I command that you're going to repair any damage you caused, restore what you've stolen sevenfold, take out what you've put in people's lives, put any disorders back in order. You're going to do it as quick as you can, then go straight into the abyss. Now go and do it right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask you to release your angels tonight to enforce this completely and fully. We thank you for what we believe we have received it right now in Jesus' name. Listen, I want to... Um, we're going to, I'm going to give you a chance to pray, but listen, friend, you want some good advice tonight. I encourage you to take some time and pray about this. Because I believe with all my heart, the Lord has spoken to me that six months from now, I believe that it's going to be clear how people responded tonight. I believe that. There's going to be some people, if they don't respond properly, their lives are going to be very different in six months. But if they'll respond the way the Lord wants them to respond, and it's real then their life is going to be very different in a good way in six months from now. But this is a fork in the road, and it's serious business with God. And I want to give people a chance to pray. And just remember this as you pray. Don't be presumptuous and prideful and say to the Lord, Lord, I'll, I'll be faithful to the death and all that. Tell the Lord, Lord, you only know my heart. Maybe I'm not as faithful and loyal as I thought I was. I don't know. Forgive me if I'm not, but put it in me. I want to be loyal. I want to be faithful. I want to have that love in me that makes me loyal to you and to people the way John was. Because, see, John loved the Lord and he was known as, as the beloved. And that love in John made him remain loyal to the Lord, even in his darkest time. So, Father, I'm asking you as people pray tonight to do a deep, deep work and let this be a turning point and a change in people's lives. I'm going to go off recordings and all that, but I want to give people a chance to pray right now.